The question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Welcome to a Wednesday Drive where it feels fitting that we have Mac Brown on today's show. He's going to be here at 5.30, so make sure you're around for that. This is what I mean. When Mac left ESPN to return to Chapel Hill, there was an accessibility with him and a media savvy with him that I think elevated the image of Carolina football nationally. So when it was announced about a year ago that Hubert Davis would be replacing Roy Williams, I expected something similar. Even more entertaining press conferences. In hindsight, that probably was a bit too high of a bar to set. We're going to see him all over the place. He's going to be on every show pushing Carolina basketball because recruiting. Because like Mac, he had experience working on television, working at ESPN. But that's not who Hubert Davis is. He doesn't do opening statements, just fire off questions at him. He doesn't want to talk about anything other than hoop. So around the midway point of the season, I thought, hmm, maybe I was wrong about Hubert's ability to communicate. Maybe it's not all I cracked it up to be. Then I heard stories from guys on the 17 National Championship team who I've gotten to know over the last five years who said Hubert gave one of the greatest speeches they ever heard to motivate them to beat Gonzaga that night, that Monday night five years ago. After the loss to Wisconsin last year, Roy Williams gave opportunities to the assistant coaches to say something. And most opportunities at the end of the year, Hubert, he remained quiet. Not last year. He stepped forward, was emotional, and was forceful, and communicating, that's not Carolina basketball. It's something that still resonates with those players today. The ones that came back, they've talked about it all throughout the season. And as North Carolina faces UCLA in the Sweet 16 tomorrow night, it's become clear Hubert's ability to communicate and motivate might be his greatest trait. And without it, the Tar Heels aren't in this spot. He knows exactly what his team needs to hear. That is the sign of a great communicator. Understanding that people are different. People who have different love languages, apology languages, and the people that understand how to best approach individuals and to approach teams as a group, those are the ones that communicate best when to deliver a message, how to deliver it. That is a skill. And the turning point of this season was after North Carolina lost on the road for the second consecutive game by 20-plus points in each game. Lost to Miami then lost to Wake Forest on a Saturday night. They had a quick turnaround. At that point, people were saying, oh, wait, is this even going to be an NCAA tournament team? Quick turnaround. They had Virginia Tech coming into their building on Monday. So Sunday practice happens, and this is the way it's been described to me. The team is expecting Hubert to be pissed, to come in there and tear them apart, and to make them run left and right, even though they had a game the next night. But instead, Hubert went in there and said, gosh, how great is it that we get to be playing at the University of North Carolina? And how great of an opportunity do you guys have where we're so good at home and we get to play in a place like the Smith Center? He was just very positive. Brady Manick then had a big night the next night, and that really started this run of Manick 
turning into an impact player across the ACC, perhaps even an all-ACC caliber player. And he gave Hubert all the credit after the game, saying, I thought he was going to tear into us, and he didn't. And that meant a lot to me because it showed that our coach believed in us. And they won that game down the stretch because of what Hubert, because of what Brady Manick did down the stretch. And he gave Hubert the credit. We learned this lesson in overtime. What an important stretch that was. You just gave up a 27-point lead. Brady Manick's out of the game. One of your leaders are out. Caleb Love, he's not in the game either. I thought, everybody thought, North Carolina, they're going to fold now. Who do they got? They're facing a number one seed. You just gave up a 27-point lead. How are they going to pick up the pieces in overtime? If you're Hubert, what do you say to the team? This is what Hubert Davis said the message was to them. The team feeds off of my emotions. And, you know, when we were going into overtime, the most important thing for me to express to the team was confidence and poise. And the first thing that I said in the huddle is I gave them a little joke. I said, you know, this is awesome. We get to play five more minutes. Isn't that really cool? You know, and they looked at me like, I don't know about that, coach. <laughs> I said, wasn't that funny? You know, and I did. I said, guys, if I came to you the day before and I said, we have five minutes against Baylor to go to the Sweet 16. It's a tie score. Would you take that? Yeah, I'm fired up. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful perspective in the moment. But the beginning of that, of what he said, players react to what your demeanor is, your manner, whatever that is, they're going to respond to that. He was confident. And throughout the year, this is the part where I need to admit I was wrong. His message remained consistent all year long. I'm not going to compare him to LeVar Ball, but he almost spoke it all into existence. After the, I was at the Asheville game where they were not good. They won the game by 18, but that's the game where Brady Manick was saying, we need to play a lot better. We overlooked them. This is not Carolina basketball. Hubert went out there and he said, I see a national championship contender with this group. And I rolled my eyes so hard that night when he said it, but he believed it. And when he said Armando Baycott is the player of the year in the ACC, no questions asked, he believed that too. Armando. And he spoke it into existence. Baycott started playing like an all-ACC ACC player of the year type. Leaky Black the same way as a defensive player of the year. He knows what buttons to press with his guys. And even though he's a first-year coach, he has great perspective for this tournament. He played in the Final Four as a player. He was an assistant for that title team in 17, and almost just as importantly, knows what the heartbreak feels like to lose at the buzzer like they did to Chris Jenkins and Villanova the year before that in 16. So he knows how these things go. Here's how he's approached the perspective of this tournament with his guys last week to get them to the Sweet 16, and as they move forward, starting tomorrow in Philadelphia. I said, like, one of the things that I think is important is to put this whole tournament into perspective. And so our focus was to win the Fort Worth tournament and then break this apart now. We've been given the opportunity because of our play to go play in the Philadelphia tournament. And so let's see if we can win two games in Philadelphia. And if we play well and we win, you know, more than likely they'll invite us to the New Orleans uh, you know, tournament. And so 
just to put that into perspective and also told the guys, you know, you have to win six games in order to win a national championship. And towards the end of the season, we won six games. So that's something that we've already done. It's so smart the way he's handled all of that. And it doesn't surprise me. They're in the spot they're in right now with a coach who understands what to say, when to say it, how to say it in given spots. Hubert's greatest trait is the ability to motivate his players. That's been on display all throughout the year. On Twitter at WSJS Sports, 336-777-1600 if you want in on today's show. dot. he's going to be in studio with us at about 3.30. We'll play grammar school with him. Less than one day after they made a move that I loved, signing all-pro tackle Teron Armstead, the prize tackle in this free agency class, from the New Orleans Saints, the Miami Dolphins made a trade today that only losing franchises would make. They broke the bank on a wide receiver by sending five draft picks in exchange for Tyreek Hill. This is why I'm against this. And I might sound like a broken record with this take if you've been listening to this show for years, but the best wide receivers are not worth what you have to pay to have them on your team. They are luxury items. This is the equivalent in a salary cap sport. If you're going to make a wide receiver one of your three highest paid players on the roster, which you would have to do in all likelihood to bring in somebody and pay them $25, $28 million like Devontae Adams is set to make with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, this is the equivalent of buying a sports car when you're struggling to pay your mortgage. They are luxury items, and very few teams can afford them, and you shouldn't give up a lot of draft picks in order to do so, even if you're the Dolphins who have a ton of draft picks. The five highest-paid wide receivers in the league before Tyreek Hill gets his new deal have never played in a Super Bowl, haven't even been to a Super Bowl before. We're talking about DeAndre Hopkins, for example, or Devontae Adams. He's another one that comes to mind. You could go down the list. Look at the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL. The best of the best. How many of them are playing in the best game of the year? Look at the Super Bowl champions over the last 15 years. How many of them had the elite Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson like wide receivers on them? They don't. They are flashy. Fans love them because they help your fantasy team, but they don't really lend themselves to what the ultimate goal is, and that's winning and winning big and winning a thing like the Super Bowl, which the Dolphins are not going to do because the Dolphins have turned into the Cleveland Browns slowly but surely. You got an embarrassingly bad owner who has an impulse of firing coaches way too soon and pouring tons of resources into wide receivers. How did the Odell Beckham Jarvis Landry experience go in Cleveland? Of course the Jets were the other team trying to contend to bring in Tyreek Hill. If the Jets or a team that thinks it's a good idea to do something, that should be a red flag for you, Miami. The Chiefs are a great organization. And this is a trade that they won easily. They fleeced Miami. Why? Because they could spend the money they would have to pay, pay uh, Tyree Kill elsewhere in ways that can help their football team more. You already got speed with McCole Hardman out wide. You got Travis Kelsey. You brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. You got weapons. They're, they're all there. You're good. You're set. You don't need any more wide receivers there. 
and you added five draft picks, including a first this year and a second next year. So only losing franchises are the ones that are willing to do what the Miami Dolphins did today. It's flashy. They're getting a lot of love for it. Oh, it might help your fantasy team. You got Cheetah down there in Miami. Oh, they're going to pair him with Jalen Waddle. What a combination it's going to be. It's not going to amount to much. Just like Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham didn't amount to much in Cleveland. A regular little chatterbox. Already talking a mile a minute. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. BDOT has just stepped into the studio. Yep. We've got grammar school in just a bit. BDOT is the sixth man of Tar Heel basketball, and he's throwing a triad party in a couple of days. On Friday, Courtney Bankart's team plays, 7 o'clock, Sweet 16, and at 9.40, the Tar Heels have UCLA. This is coming up on Friday. What are you doing? It is a great day to be a Tar Heel. I mean, wow. <laughs> Look at us. Yeah. Sweet 16, women's basketball and men. Coach Banghart, Coach Davis, phenomenal job. Right here in Greensboro, the women will be in action, of course, at the Greensboro Coliseum. People are getting tickets. We want it to look Carolina blue. Want it to look like a mini version of the Dean Smith Center in the Greensboro Coliseum. But if you cannot make it or if you are going to the game after the game and you want somewhere to watch the men's game, we're going to be at House Divided. It's in Greensboro. And I just left there, and it was my first time being there. I'd heard about this spot, but I'd never been. It is actually the shape of a house. And the, the, the theme of it is the owner – he is a Carolina fan, and his wife is a Duke fan. Does that mean Duke fans are invited to your party Friday? That absolutely does not mean that. But there are Duke fans that are talking about infiltrating. Now, here's the situation. Duke plays on Thursday. Yeah. So they're trying to see what type of temperament they're going to be in on Friday to attend the party. Yeah, if Duke loses tomorrow, they're not pulling up. I mean, they could at, to try to play spoiler, but they're not going to be in they're a not, very— They're yeah. not going to pull up. What's yeah. the best-case scenario? Ha-ha! You guys are in the same situation we're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, probably not a good spot to be in. They're not going to do that. And yeah. I don't like Duke's chances. I'm, I'm really hoping either. that Texas Tech handles responsibilities and that Duke can just sit down. And we can just enjoy ourselves as Tar Heel fans, man. Like, just all of us is, 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 is hosted by Heels House. Everybody can a, make their hand held, wears Duke signs, and hold them up. No, we're not doing any of that. that. We're not playing Duke. We're not focused on Duke. We would see Duke in New Orleans if that's what the chip, if that's how the chips fall. Right now, we have a UCLA team in front of us that is very deadly. They're very guard heavy. We'll talk about that game in a bit. I want to talk about your party. Okay, let's talk about the party. Am I invited? I mean, I'm I'm always going to extend an invitation to you, Josh. Okay. I love you. You're definitely more than welcome. I don't want to roll up if I'm not welcome. So, house divided Friday. It would have to be for the men's game that I would roll up. Because uh, I got things to do right after the show. Okay. But Friday, I might be able to do that. So maybe we could put out a Twitter poll or something. Okay, look, dig it. I'm going to put on Twitter right now. I'm going to put a, to- a poll up that says, should Josh Graham get invited to the Hills, How- Hills House hosted? No, 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 no. If you word it that way, everyone's just going to dunk on me. Okay. Instead, it should be worded in some way, like poll. Poll. And then the rest of the way, it would be Josh Graham said he will pull up if Tar Heel fans would, if UNC fans want him there, if <laughs> UNC fans would approve, Josh said he would pull up. Do you want Josh to come? You know, do you want Josh to pull up? 
something of that ilk. And the options would be no and then no in all caps underneath <laughs> it. <laughs> yes or no are the options. And if more people want me there than don't want me there, then I, I'd be willing to show up. I'd be right. willing to promote it, and I'll be there for the show. This is what I, I wrote. I will promote it over the next few days, and we'll be there Friday night if they want us there. This is what I wrote. Poll. Josh Graham Radio said he will pull up if UNC fans want him there. If you approve, you know, do you want Josh to come? Do you want Josh to pull up? Yeah, sure. I hope they all say yes, and then they Josh shows up, and it, they, all the Carolina fans just jump him with their you know, terrible. You know, all the ones that jump on me all the time. When they meet me, we we all get along, and that's just Twitter for you. It's a perfect example of why Twitter's fake. Where all these people that jump down my throat all the time, they are the ones that ask for pictures every single time. They're the ones that ask, "Hey, can you look at my fantasy team? Hey, can you look at my bracket?" Sure, and I, you know, I'd love to meet listeners. I'm all about it. I got a feeling I'm not going to be going to this thing on Friday night. I don't know. Any, anything's possible, Josh Graham. Including me having a shot at grammar school, which we play right now. Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. In high school, he didn't play sports, but he did wear a helmet. And just when you think it can't get any worse. My English teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Damn. Thanks a lot. Next semester, I'll be 35. Josh is going to attempt to learn B-Dot's vernacular. I'm from the old school. I got a street knowledge. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's time for B-Dot's Grammar School. Welcome back to another episode of Grammar School. It is very simple. I, your host, B-Dot, will ask Josh Graham three words or phrases that are heavily used and very knowledgeable in the urban vernacular. And we just want to know if Josh knows these words. Most of them he does not. Some of them he does. If he gets two out of three correct, that is a satisfactory grade. And we prepare Josh to the next uh, episode, which is next week. But first, I've got a caucastic word for you. Ah, oh, yes, the caucastic word. To try and figure out if you are pretty good as well at figuring out expressions that might be outside of your circle. Last week was my first time bombing. If you want to go catch that episode. When white people say, let's rock and roll, what are they saying? <laughs> it's time to go. That is correct. It's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to get started would have been accepted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As well. Let's rock and roll. All rock right. And roll. Grab your keys. Yeah. I My dad says that all the time. Really, this is, <laughs> what does my dad say, who you met last week? Yeah. And... Eh, Maybe we could just throw that into grammar school. Yeah, just use his vernacular. That's right. <laughs> throw it out there. That's, that's exactly what I do. So you passed once again. Let's see how I do. Josh Graham, it is important when we're learning these that you not only can talk in the urban vernacular here in North Carolina, you have to be able to move with the <laughs> vernacular, bro. Yeah, that's right. You know what I'm saying? Like we went West Coast before. You remember that? Nailed it too. You know, we're talking about marks and all kinds of things out there, but... Today, I would like to go to a, to a state that's known for artists like Lil Flip, Scarface, and Jay Prince. Three of my favorites. I was listening to all of them earlier today. What state are we talking about, Josh? Georgia? That is incorrect, Josh. Florida? That is incorrect again. They also have a, a, a group Azura? called H-Town. Oh, H-Town. We've got to be talking about High Point then. No, Houston. 
Houston, absolute Texas is what we're talking about. Yeah, where Beyonce's from. Are you familiar with H-Town? Knocking yeah. boots, good loving body rocking, knocking boots all night long. Uh-huh. I almost got a job in Houston randomly. <laughs> but are you familiar with that H-Town song? I'm so you didn't get a job, though. You, how do you say I almost got a job? That's like in the Popeye's commercial. May have turned it away. Like, uh, I, we're almost the number one shrimp. <laughs> have you seen that? It's so dumb. Like, why just do I even bring it up? Sorry about that. Okay. All no, right. I'm not familiar with that H-Town song. You should be. It's a very nice song. Play it for Sarah Bradford. You all would love it. Sure. Play it on your honeymoon. H-Town. Knocking boots. Understood. Up first. 281-330-8004. Whose phone number is that? Mike Jones. Absolutely. Shouts to UNCG basketball. Huh? We know your number, Mike. Who? <laughs> I like that. All right. Up next. What style of music was invented in Houston, Texas? And for your assist, is it recent? Is it a it recent? Is, it is definitely not recent. It is definitely not recent. And we'll give you a hint. You cannot use a lifeline, but we will give you a hint to let you hear the music, and then you can give your answer. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we went up a notch on today's show. This moment is epic on the show. Let me just let you know, Josh Girl. Robbie, salute to you, my brother. I'm so confused. Robbie, salute to you, my brother. Is that an actual song or did Robert make that song? Woo! Gosh, you sound ridiculous. You sound ridiculous. You sound ridiculous. If that was any, the most caucastic thing you could say in that moment, you just said it, Josh. Even more than when you brought me on stage when Travis Porter was performing and yeah. I said to you, which one's Travis Porter? Yeah. <laughs> that ranks too. That's on the Mount Rushmore. But my God, this is up there. <laughs> was that a real song or did Robbie make that? <laughs> Robbie's uh, red. Robbie's uh, red laughing. This is amazing. I can't get a hint, or I can't get a lifeline on this. No, you cannot get a lifeline on this. Okay. We gave you a hint with the song, and I gave you a, a, an easy one off the off the bat. Distorted, slowed down music. That's my hint. <laughs> that, that's my answer. Yeah. Oh, uh, was it that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I revolutionizing guess- distorted. Slowed down music. I guess that's how you could possibly describe it, but it is called Chopped and Screwed, okay? Yeah. Chopped and Screwed. And Screw, DJ Screw was a DJ there in Texas, right? Okay, Swisher House. And he would make the music, he would slow it down just like Robbie just played you right there. Like, and that was that's how they that's how they get down in Texas. They they also like to drink a beverage in Texas. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Do you know the beverage? I'll give you a point if you know the beverage. That wasn't even on my list, but if you know the beverage that they drink where they drop Starburst in it and Jolly Ranchers and all types oh, of beverages. The, the scissor? There we go. I'll give you scissor. It's lean, but I'll give you scissor. Right, yeah. I'll give you scissor. Josh, what's tipping? Oh. Tipping. 336-777-1600. It's in another Mike Jones song, since you know and love Mike Jones so much. Mm. I'm going to use Robert Walsh as a... As a lifeline here. Uh. 
use. Is that what you're gonna That's do? Robert. Fofo, I'm tipping. <laughs> I'm not uh still I'm not tipping on Fofo. Alright, help me out here. It'd be great. I have no clue, to be completely honest with you. I'm gonna guess tipping, because they say Fofo's I'm tipping. And it, he talks about uh wood gripping and the paint dripping. So it's I think it has to do with the car. I think it has to do with the tires. Uh I would say I was gonna say that's a good that's a good idea. Um, talking about cars, maybe it's like hydraulics where the car is tipping over a little bit. Yeah, maybe, maybe I, it's that. Maybe it is that. Maybe it's not. Who knows? Definitely <laughs> not, not me. That's Who what knows? I'm gonna go with. What are you going with, Josh? Yeah, you know, like the cars tipping. It's talking about like when you have like the hydraulics as such, where the car's tipping a bit. You're ready to dunk on me. <laughs> just just say I'm wrong. <laughs> It's very strange. It's, it's difficult, Robbie. What do you say? Is tipping is when you're laid back in your whip and you're just you're just you're just bending the curve. You just you just you vibing. You driving. You tipping like you just so like a Snoop Dogg dance kind of like yeah, you're, you're like you just back. laid back in your whip. Like you just smooth ride. You, it's nothing about hydraulics and up and down. Your car's not actually tipping. What you're doing? No, it's no. Your answer is no. Yeah, Give I would me, say yeah, we were no, both no, wrong no, as well. Yeah, no, that is incorrect. Tipping is when you're damn just you know you just in your whip. You got your big fofos on your, your your car, your Vogues. That's what I was going to give you, two Vogues. Your big wheels and your spokes. And you just riding, baby. You're riding and laughing at Josh Graham because he thought that Robbie made the song. But no, it's actually DJ Screw. And that's been Switching Grammar out. School for this week. You did not um, pass today, Josh. I would just I, like to let you know. That. I did not. Right now, B-Dot, he's tipping. I am tipping right now. Tar Heels. In the car. Yes, going into the Sweet 16. He's tipping for sure. Yeah. But I'll tell you why. Mm. You might not be tipping on Friday. There's a chance Carolina might be chopped and screwed, and I'll tell you why next. Mm. A man is a lunatic. Smells like a gym bag. The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Studio with us. Six man of Tar Heel basketball. Heels in action on Friday against UCLA. If you have thoughts on that game or a question for Dot and I, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. This game concerns me for North Carolina. Me too. Because this UCLA team is giving off strong 2017 Carolina vibes. This team seems fueled by monumental heartbreak. In 2016, or you've you've gotten to know many of the guys off the 17 team, as have I, what they've told me is that entire season, they were driven by what happened in Houston the year before, losing at the buzzer to Chris Jenkins and Nova. Well, UCLA lost in the Final Four at half court at the buzzer, Jalen Suggs hitting the Mm. shot, and this team has been on a mission, it seems, ever since the start of the year to getting back to that point and performing better in the Final Four than they did. Hubert Davis was talking about this yesterday. He says he sees a lot in this UCLA team that reminds him of the team he was an assistant for back in 2017. A huge part of what drives them 
is their success last year of getting to the Final Four and wanting to go further. And the reason why I say that, that was, that was a driving force for the 2017 team. When we lost to Villanova in the championship game, that, that was our foundation piece during practice, during preseason, during games to get back to the championship game and have a different story, a different narrative. And so that type of motivation is very powerful. Not even 2017 Carolina could say this, though. All nine players who played in that semifinal against Gonzaga are back on this Gonzaga or on this UCLA team. All nine guys. It's one of the things that, you know, kind of rubs me the wrong way as somebody who covers, has covered the ACC for the last decade or so, that Marcus Page didn't get a ring, that Bryce Johnson didn't get a ring, given how close they were and how important they were to the team. All nine guys who played against Gonzaga are back for UCLA. We'll see about Yami Yaquez's health, and we'll see, you know, whether or not he's able to go. Yesterday, Mick Cronin said he wasn't going to practice, but he wasn't wearing a boot and seemed to walk just fine getting on the bus. Still has a couple more days to get ready for it, but they deserve to be favored in this game just because of how consistent they've been throughout the year and what this team has already demonstrated it's capable of doing in this tournament. So for those reasons, I am concerned for North Carolina Friday. You know, we were supposed to play them earlier this season. And due to COVID situations, we didn't get to play them. And I remember seeing them on the schedule earlier this season, and I was so afraid of UCLA. Um, Jacquez, of course, he's a bucket. But um, Juzang, man, like that guy is just – He's he's scary, and then Tiger. Tiger the Campbell, guard, what a name! Like Tiger Campbell, he's named after Tiger Woods. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. But he, um, like he's a dog, you know. And I just didn't think we were anywhere near ready for that type of, especially coming off of last year, like you say, them with that sour taste in their mouth. Here, as I stand today, I'm much more prepared to face this team. I feel a lot more confident. In You're the prepared or they're prepared? I mean, I, when I speak, I speak from a fan perspective of how we feel going in the same way you speak from your perspective of why you're fearful for the Tar Heels. I'm speaking to you from a perspective of why or our our, dis, our disposition as we get to this game on Friday night. And we feel prepared and confident in one, the Iron Five, the confidence that the bench is getting, the pieces when they're getting implemented, when they're put into games – the confidence with Coach HD. I was listening to you earlier and you were bragging about Coach HD and everything you said was dead on, Josh. Like, if you're ever fortunate enough to meet HD in a candid situation where you can just talk to him with no cameras and no microphones and just talk to him. And this isn't to say that he's a different person when he talks in front of the media, but when he's in front of the media, he's speaking to everyone. If you're ever fortunate enough to get a one-on-one with Coach HD, you can feel everything that you were just speaking about, the passion that he has about whatever conversation you're having. I was blessed enough to talk to him about being the MC for the, the host of Late Night. So when I'm talking to him about that, just the passion that he was displaying to me about why he wanted to change it and why he wanted to bring me in and what he thought that I could do for that night, like everything he talks about is passion, whether it's his family, whether it's the program, whether it's his playing days, his coaching, and Kenny Williams told me off the rip, like, he's a coach that you will run through a wall for. 
and we feel it as fans. So we're confident with the program, with the program the way it is right now, with the with the guys that's here. I'm optimistic that Brady is gonna feel like he sort of let the team down. You know, like I apologize, guys. Like that's that's that seems to be Brady's like makeup. Like, and I feel like he's gonna come out. He's gonna really put on a show for us. You know, not for us fans, but for his teammates. You know, um, I feel like Caleb. He had him a down game, so it's now as as inconsistently or as consistently inconsistent as Caleb is. Now it's time for him to have a good game, and we're gonna need it because him out there with um, what's what's the other guard out there? Not Juzang or 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 Jaquez or Tiger, but the other guy. I think that's who Caleb's gonna be on. I can't think of his name right now. But um, I think we're ready for this game, Josh. I think we're ready for this game. We're going to be there at 940. Um, I am having a, a viewing party for all the Carolina family that would like to show up. You're talking about Riley or Bernard? Bernard. Yeah. He's the guard. Riley's the, Cody Riley's their big guy. See, Armando should eat. Mondo should, Mondo should feast. Who's that? Armando Bacon? Yeah. Armando, there we go. That guy. <laughs> nah, Armando should beast, man. And then you know Don Trez and the Trezzy, he got some confidence. Uh, Puff, you know I like what Puff does at that stretch position. You know I like us. We're confident, man. Kevin. Kevin tweets in. Instead of Texas Tech winning tomorrow, or this is a good question. Hmm. Would you prefer Texas Tech to knock off Duke tomorrow or to play Duke in the Final Four? Um, Texas Tech, knock off Duke. I don't want to play Duke. I don't want to play Duke. I do not want to play Duke. If there's any team, and I'm and I'm, I'm just being honest, if there's any team in the tournament that has a personal vendetta against us, yeah. it is Duke. We heard Paulo. Yeah, like we don't like tournament. like they want that game, and the biggest the the best thing ever is to not have to see them anymore. Like we've already done what we can do, and which is beat them in Cameron and and leave Coach K's legacy the way it is in Cameron with a Tar Heel victory. Like seeing them in the four, like the uh, the upside to that is, oh, we beat y'all in Cameron and we beat y'all in the four. The downside is it totally negates beating them in Cameron if they beat us in the four and go to the ship on our face. I don't want it. B dot tweeted out, he's got a party, he's throwing it in Greensboro. Yep. On Friday. For the women and the men. We got, hey, listen, there's only three teams that's got the women and the men in the Sweet 16. Check us, check BDOT out. I almost said check us out. We'd have divided a, House in Greensboro. House Divided. So, house Divided, excuse me. Yeah. And DOT tweeted out, I will show up and we will promote this thing and we'll be there on Friday if North Carolina fans want us to. But right now, 56% of 100 votes thus far in the last... 20 minutes or so mm. say absolutely not <laughs> well it's 57 now i forgot to vote sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not yeah. well i put in the hills house because we've got um we just eclipsed 200 members in yes. the hills house we're at 203 now in the hills house as a matter of fact um um i was told to give a happy birthday shout out heidi says to her son boston is a big listener um actually well, shout to out to both of you big, guys big shout out to boston and heidi so big shout happy birthday that's but fantastic. um yeah man like so the hills house i told them to go vote so i guess that's a lot of the people in their that voting. are saying no I, I'm, probably is my yeah. guess on that what? what what this is wrong you shut up you're on the drive with josh graham on wsjs sports It almost feels fitting. 
Stan Cotton joins us with this music playing. Because when I think of Westerns, I think of Clint Eastwood. When I think of Clint Eastwood, I think of Stan. But when I think of the entire genre of Westerns, I think of the state of Texas. I think of the Lone Star State, where Stan is at. I don't know if you wore any Cowboys gear on the plane or anything, but... (laughs) Your Cowboys. I, uh, I, I slept in a Cowboys t-shirt. Does that, that count? That does count, for sure. Is yeah. this your first trip to College Station? First trip to College Station. You know, I've seen, obviously, over the years, a lot, a lot of the football games, uh, and they just go crazy here for football. But uh, first trip here, we, we landed yesterday, kind of in a kind of a windy uh, windy condition. It was an interesting touchdown, but we uh, we all survived and uh, was at Reed Arena earlier today. It seats a little over 12. Uh, really nice arena. Kind of reminds me of Virginia's, quite honestly. Um, but uh, ready to go tonight. Looking forward to it. Were you at shoot-around earlier today? I was. I yeah. was. Does Wake Forest have a Rutgers game plan prepared just in case A&M's not able to go tonight? <laughs> Not, you know, I, I, I think uh, I, I think A&M's really going to show up and play tonight. I really do. I, I mean, and, and why not? I mean, I, gosh, Buzz Williams has, I don't know, one of the hottest teams in the country. I don't think that's a, that's a stretch to say that. They've won that 10 out of 12, and one of the two they lost was in the SEC title game to a really good Tennessee team. So uh, this is a team that's playing well, and I think they'll show up. I think, you know, the game's here at their place, and I, I think they'll probably be there. Voice of the Deke, Stan Cotton, with us here from College Station. It's a 7 o'clock tip, the NIT quarters, as Wake Forest takes on A&M. What do you remember about the Deke's 2000 NIT title? Gosh, I remember, uh, you know, once the Deke's got to New York, it was kind of a good grief, we've come this far. Let's go ahead and win a national title. I remember Coach Odom talking about it's not – the national title, but it's a national title. Uh, and, you know, honestly, more than maybe the championship game with Notre Dame, you know, the, the, the semifinal game with Wake was with State, NC State, and that game went to overtime. It was just kind of a nail-biter down the stretch and a really good college basketball game. And, and then, obviously, Wake was able to beat Notre Dame uh, in, in the championship game and had an easier time with, with the Irish than uh, than the Dicks did with State. But, uh it was a lot of fun. I mean, you, you, you know, you play that in Madison Square Garden. I heard earlier today, and I, I didn't, con- haven't confirmed this, Josh. You may even know. I don't, quite honestly. But, but I heard that this is likely the the last go around for the NIT at the Garden. That the rights are up, and that MSG is is not going to bid. So I, I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, certainly, if it is, what, what a way to go out if you could, you know, win the last NIT championship at the Garden. Um, cause it's obviously an historic place and, and, and all that. But, um, but that's what I remember most coach Odom saying, Hey, let's, let's, we're here. Let's win it. Let's, let's don't just, you know, uh, revel in another trip to New York and have a good time and all that. Let's, let's do all of that, but let's win us a national title. And, and, uh, the Deeks, that's exactly what they did, man. There's a lot of synergy I see with 2000 and this year, when you consider that Notre Dame so North Carolina is in the Sweet 16, surprisingly to some. And in 2000, it was Guthridge's last year, and North Carolina had a surprising run to the Final Four. That's the last time that really North Carolina was on the bubble until this year, like truly on the bubble. And when Guthridge just decided to step down, 
Roy Williams didn't come back home, but who did? It was the coach that Wake Forest beat in the NIT title game. It was Matt Doherty's last Mm -hmm. game as Notre Dame's coach. The guy who replaced him is still the guy who's there today, and Mike Bray. How crazy is that? Yeah, I had forgotten, quite honestly, that 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 Matt was the coach in that Notre Dame team until you mentioned it. But you know, it's it, it's crazy how how these things come back together. You know, earlier today as we rolled into the arena, I wondered, and I'll talk to Coach Forbes about it uh, later tonight uh, before we tip. But you know, he was here as an assistant with with Buzz Williams uh, back in '04. Oh five, and and so this is kind of a homecoming for him. And uh, he he told me the other day that his his roots as a Division one basketball coach are right here in College Station. So I'm sure it'll be an emotional time for him. And uh, he wants to win very very badly against his his good friend Buzz Williams. And you know if he can do it, the Deeks have a chance to obviously go win that. Well, I guess a national title uh, in New York, but it's going to be hard to get out of here. Uh, against this A and M team, they're, again they're they're playing well and they've bought up every ticket. I mean, every ticket tonight. If you can get here, you can park free and you can get in the arena free tonight. So uh, we'll see. And I think that was the case last week. They had about six and a half, something like that. And I'm not sure the students were on campus last week. I think they're back now. So uh, should be a really really good crowd tonight. And I would anticipate a, a pretty good game. Seven o'clock, Wake Forest A and M. Stan Cotton joining us here. What's the vibe you get from the players? So you're giving access to them, and you're on on the plane. Their their level of interest in this tournament, and on top of that, this is something we were talking about yesterday, and you just mentioned a second ago, playing at MSG. Other than maybe a couple of guys on this team that look like they could be NBA players, what other opportunity are you ever going to have to play in that cathedral of basketball if you win tonight, you get that opportunity. What have you seen from the players you shared a flight with? Yeah, you know, I, I think the Deeks are into it. I, I just think they they enjoy playing together, uh, regardless of where it is or whom it's against. All the, I mean, it, it sounds a little cliche to say that, but this team has as much chemistry, Josh, as as any Wake team I've been around in years. And to say that after Coach Forbes you know, kind of put this group together, you know, just a, a one-time shot through the portal and some and all those types of things uh, it, it is amazing. But When the, you say the, that, the what do you mean? Like, how do you measure that? What are you looking at when you say, wow, this chemistry is it's terrific. This is something that is tangible that I look at and say, I don't think I've seen that that often. You can see it when they have a meal together. You can see it when they practice together. You can see it when they they travel together. They're just one big kind of happy family. And, again, it's cliche. I, I know it sounds that way, but they just enjoy each other's company. Uh, they're all friends. They uh, It's just one happy group. And and it's when they don't play well, it surprises me because I know that, that, that they like playing. Again, they, they, they like practicing together. The coaches make it make it fun and, and all that type of stuff. And uh, so – that's why I just I think they'll play well tonight. I don't know if they'll win, but but I think they'll they'll play well, and I think they 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 like being around one another so more. So that's kind of the carrot, you know. Let's we win this, we we get another game. We win that one, we play for a title. So I just think that that's enough for this particular group to uh, 
to, to, to play well. And, you know, we'll, we'll see, but it's just something about them. There's a, there's a, there's an easiness about this group when you're around them. Uh, it's just, it's, it's palpable. It's hard to describe quite honestly, but it's, it's there. And, And when you ask them about it, they right away, they'll say, absolutely. Just something about this group. Um, and, and the way that Coach Forbes has kind of melded them together that that is is unique, and uh, and I hope they get to play some more. You and I both have a great call tonight in College Station. Safe travel as well. Thanks for the call, Stan. All right, Josh, thanks. There Appreciate it. That's Stan Cotton, voice of the Deeks, joining us here on WSJS Sports. Last segment, I brought up the Zion Williamson video where he was dunking and they posted that on Instagram. Well, yet another step in a positive direction for Zion. A day after he was seen. I didn't come here and I ain't leaving, so don't sit around and cry. Just roll me up and smoke me when I die. 336-777-1600. Whoever calls first gets the Willie Nelson pair of tickets for later on this year and an East Coast Wings gift card first to call wins there. So Zion, he was seen playing one-on-one. He's allowed to do that now. Corey Brewer, the former Florida Gator, is now a player development coach with the Pelicans, and he was playing one-on-one with Zion. And Zion was elevating on his jump shot. He was going off the dribble. He was dunking multiple times. They're being careful, of course, but Zion, he's in the facility He returned to New Orleans on March the 5th. That was the same day as the Duke-Carolina game. He did not attend that game, Coach K's final game in Cameron. He's rehabbing from a fractured right foot that's kept him out this entire season thus far. So a good sign for Zion moving forward, I think.